Welcome to American Mosaic in VOA Special English. I'm Doug Johnson. This week, we play music by Somali-born hip-hop artist Kanan and answer a listener question about the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. But first, we report about a record-breaking college basketball coach. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. The National Collegiate Athletic Association men's and women's basketball tournaments began Thursday. These games decide the national winners of college basketball. The University of Tennessee women's basketball team will attempt to win its ninth national championship. Last month, the team and its head coach, Pat Summit celebrated a historic victory. Barbara Klein explains. On February 5th, the University of Tennessee women's basketball team defeated the University of Georgia. It was a victory unlike any other. It was the 1,000th victory for Tennessee head coach Pat Summit. She is the first National Collegiate Athletic Association Division I coach in men's or women's basketball to win 1,000 games. More than 16,000 people gathered to watch the historic game. With 40 seconds left in the game, the crowd stood and began shouting, 1,000, 1,000. Many people believe Pat Summit's winning record will not be reached by another college basketball coach for a long time. Only two Division I basketball coaches have had at least 900 wins. One is Bob Knight, the former coach at Indiana University and Texas Tech University. The other is former University of Texas women's coach Judy Conrad. Both are retired but Knight is considering a return to coaching. Pat Summit became head coach of the women's basketball team at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville in 1974. She was just 22 years old. She has coached there for 35 years. Since that time, she has built many successful teams and received many top coaching awards and honors. She has led the Tennessee Lady Vols to first place in eight NCAA national championships. Many of her players have gone on to play professionally. Pat Summit has also had international victories. In 1980, she was an assistant coach on the United States Women's Olympic basketball team. Four years later, 
as head coach of the women's Olympic team, she led the players to a gold medal win. For the first time in Pat Summit's career, the current Lady Vols team lacks experience. That is because seven team members are first-year students. At the beginning of the season, she joked about whether the team could win the seventeen victories she needed to reach one thousand wins. But after the historic victory, she did what she is known for doing: she thanked the team and many others for their part. In her success, I've had great coaches and just tremendous support along the way. And Tennessee said yes to women's basketball long before it was a popular thing to do. So I owe a lot to this university and the people that made it happen. Our listener question this week comes from Brazil. Reginaldo Anunciação wants to know about Washington D.C., the capital city of the United States. Washington is not a large city; it is only about 155 square kilometers. New York City is close to 800 square kilometers. And the Brazilian city of Rio de Janeiro is more than one thousand. Population estimates from two thousand seven show more than five hundred eighty-eight thousand people living within D.C. borders. The city's population grew between two thousand and two thousand seven, but not as fast as the country as a whole. The number of Washingtonians grew about three percent during that period, while the United States population increased more than seven percent. The racial population in D.C. is about fifty-five percent black and thirty-nine percent white. Just over seventeen percent of Washingtonians. Live below what is considered the poverty level in the United States. For a family of two, the poverty line begins at yearly earnings of fourteen thousand dollars or less. On Monday, Washington D.C. health officials reported shocking information about HIV infection in the city. They said that at least three percent of residents. Are living with AIDS or the virus that causes the disease. That percentage puts the HIV situation in Washington at an epidemic level. In fact, D.C. health officials say infection rates in the nation's capital are higher than in West Africa. Washington D.C. is like no other place in the United States. It is not a state or part of a state. The D.C. stands for District of Columbia, a federal district. Residents must pay federal taxes like other citizens, but they have no say in how that money is spent. This is because people who live in Washington D.C. 
have no voting representation in the United States Congress. The city has a delegate to the House of Representatives who is not permitted to vote. If you have ever visited, you might have noticed the popular license plates on many DC cars. They say, Taxation without representation. In fact, it was not until 1964 that DC residents were even permitted to vote in presidential elections. Many Washingtonians and the city government are fighting for DC statehood. Some are working toward voting rights in Congress. Still others say the answer is to end federal taxes for Washingtonians. Late last month, the United States Senate passed a bill to give D.C. a voting member in the House of Representatives. A House committee is now working on the legislation. It is not known when it might come to a vote in the full House. The Somali-born hip-hop artist Kanan recently performed at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. Kanan is traveling around the world to get support for his second album, Troubadour. Faith Lapidus has more. The album was produced in Jamaica at the recording studio of the famous reggae musician Bob Marley. His son, Damien Marley, sings with Kanan on the album. This song, America, is a mixture of hip-hop, reggae, and African music. There are certain things fresh and certain things mesh. I got my own sound, I don't sound like the rest. And even my attire and my choice of dress. And not long ago, I don't spoke English. The point is, police pull me over a lot. They wonder what type of rap seed I got. Kanan lived in the Somali capital, Mogadishu, until 1991. He fled with his mother on the last public flight out of the country before the overthrow of the government. Mother and son settled in New York City before moving to Toronto, Canada. Many of Kanan's songs are influenced by his childhood in Mogadishu. In People Like Me, 
he sings about how he and his cousin accidentally exploded a small bomb they found at school. Which is why I want to tell you about my favorite cousin. He and I grew up where the sun shines, and we both partook in the gun crimes, and we both liked American rap rhymes. Even though we didn't understand one line, if you remember my line of notes in my last album, I talked about a close call with a grenade. I think we both must have been about seventh grade, but don't panic. We both survived without damage, but we developed a bond like we survived the Titanic. So when the country became frantic, my mother tried to get us out, planned it to the last detail, except the plane got derailed 'cause there wasn't enough money for the plane tickets. How bitter when my mother had to choose who to take with her. So my cousin got left in the war, and that's just hard to record. But now I take refuge in prayer, kind of like finding God in the phone book. It came to me sounding something like a song, saying, "Heaven, is there a chance that you could come down and open doors to hurting?" Kanan also writes songs about life in the United States and Canada. He once told a reporter, "He does not know where home is." He said, "Exile has its own flag." We leave you now with Kanan singing, "Waving Flag." This song expresses how he feels living. In exile. When I get older, I will be stronger. They'll call me freedom, just like a waving flag. When I get older, I will be stronger. They'll call me freedom, just like a waving flag. And then it goes back, and then it goes back, and then it goes back. Oh, born to a throne, stronger than Rome, but violent prone. Poor people's zone. It's my home, all I have known. Where I got grown, streets we would roam. Out of the darkness, I came the farthest. Among the hardest survivors, learn from these streets. It can be bleak, accept no defeat, surrender, retreat. So we struggling, fighting to eat, and we wondering when we'll be free. So we patiently wait for that fateful day. It's not far away, but for now we say. I'm Doug Johnson. I hope you enjoyed our program today. It was written by Lawan Davis, Kim Varzi, and Katie Weaver, who was also the producer. Join us again next week for American Mosaic, VOA's radio magazine in special English. Love is the answer. That's what they say. But look how they treat us, make us believers. We fight their battles, then they deceive us. Try to control us, they couldn't hold us, 'cause we just move forward like buffalo soldiers. We struggling, fighting to eat, and we wondering when we'll be free. So we patiently wait for that fateful day. It's not far away, but for now we say.